Lessons Lived podcast, hosted by Michael Puente. What would you teach the world? Hello and welcome to the Lessons Lived podcast. I'm here today with Yasmin Mehta. And Yasmin's going to talk about three things that she's learned from her life. First is that you're the only one in charge of your actions and thoughts. She's going to talk about how she thanks God for her failures and how we should thank God for ours. And the third thing is immediate gratification ain't going to do it. Hello, Yasmin. Hi, Mike. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you. So before we get into your lessons... Mm-hmm. One way you can give us a little bit about your background. You're a short track speed skater. Yes. Professional dancer. Many moons ago, yes. Many moons ago, you had your own dance company. Yep. And now you're a CrossFit coach and Pilates instructor. And, yes. And movement specialist, I would say. From yeah, just from knowing yeah. you, yeah. whether you call yourself that or not. A mobility specialist. Mobility yeah. specialist. So why don't you just tell us a little bit of background about yourself before we get into your specific lessons. Okay, I grew up in India, so I think my thinking is very informed by my culture and my religion. Mm. I'm a Zoroastrian by birth. Okay. I'm not a practicing Zoroastrian, but I appreciate all the ideology and the philosophy behind my religion. And I grew up mainly in India, but I also traveled all over Africa, Australia, lived in England, and basically lived all over the world. Okay, wow. I still call India home, but Mm -hmm. I'm very much a world traveler, and I get very restless when I'm not traveling and looking at what this beautiful planet has been mm. been given to. Well, this is how I get on tangent. I hear something that I don't know anything about and then I want to know. So what's a couple things about Zoroastrian philosophy that you think influenced you? <laughs> because I hear that and I'm like, oh, what is that? I've, what is Zoroastrianism? I've, I've heard the word, I've heard it as a religion, like mm-hmm. one of the first religions I've heard it as yeah. being, but I don't know anything about it really. Well, it's a very simple religion, really. It's a, we consider ourselves the first monotheist pre-Abrahamic or at about the same time as Abrahamic. There's no written record of it so because it was so long ago, 15 to 1700 years ago. So mm-hmm. there's no written record, but we do have the holy books that the prophet Zarathustra. And it's more of a religion which doesn't really preach. It mm-hmm. wants us to show what we can do. So it's one thing to talk the talk, but you have to really walk the walk as well. So we do believe in good thoughts, good deeds, good words. Okay. So, well, it's not in that order. It's really good thoughts, good words, good deeds. Okay. So if you think something really good, you say something real, and then you follow it up by saying the good words. Mm. And then you have to follow it up. You have to follow it up by good deeds. You can't just talk and say something nice. You have to practice that as well. You have to walk the walk. You have to walk the walk. Or exactly. think, think. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, Interesting. So that sounds like a really good philosophy. To- yeah. And it's, uh, it's one God. Mm-hmm. So he was one of the first prophets to say there's only one, Aura. we call our God Aura Mazda. Um, could be a lot God, it could be any, you know, God is God in any religion, doesn't matter. Okay, yeah, yeah, for sure. For me, it's, you know, and we, we don't really proselytize as much. The Indians who came from Iran, because there was a Muslim invasion, they said either you convert to Islam or we'll, you know, kill you. So there are a lot of Zoroastrians who escaped from Iran and arrived in India and were known as the Parsis. because we fled Iran and the Indian kings allowed us to live in the country peacefully. Mm. And the contract was that you live peacefully, you don't disturb the peace, and we'll give you shelter. Oh, okay. So we're known as Parsis. So Parsis are only Zoroastrians who came to India. But there are plenty of Zoroastrians all over the world who are still in Iran, Mm. who live elsewhere, but they're not Parsis. Okay, cool. Interesting. Well, I've learned something today already. Thank you. (laughs) 
So tell me a little bit more about the background. I think it's interesting to me, like short track speed skating. Yeah. You're the only person that I know of that does short track speed really? skating. Or long track <laughs> speed skating or any other kind of speed skating. There's a motorcycle in the back because we're in a parking lot here chatting in the beautiful Presidio in San Francisco. So just tell me maybe just about a little... It's probably one of the most grueling things I've ever done in my life. Really? And I'm not a good short track speed skater. I'm a better crossfitter than I am a speed skater, to be honest. I took it up after I... I I started, I started dancing, I was dancing for about 26 years. And then I retired from the stage. And then um, I didn't retire because I wanted to speed skate. It just happened to come up and I, um, I looked at the Olympics and I thought, oh, that's something I really want to do. Mm. The Olympics or speed skating? Olympics, oh, okay. speed skating at the Olympics. That's oh, how okay. I got involved. And then I Googled it and I found that um, there was a group in the Bay Area who, was, uh, who were doing speed skating. Mm -hmm. So I called them up and they said, come on over. And I'd never been in ice rink before. <laughs> and my mother called from India and she said, but you hate the cold. <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> in an ice rink? But it was so challenging. It just was like, I got to do this. So you were already a dancer. Yeah. And you just decided to start this new sport altogether. Yeah. But I'd retired already from dancing. It was sure. I hadn't given it up or anything. It was completely not what dancing is. Okay. Physically. Okay. And besides that? You didn't skate before? No. Or been in an ice rink? Never been in an ice rink. That's rake. very interesting. <laughs> that is very interesting. Rose my ass off because I forgot that it was cold in an ice rink. Did you do well in that sport? Uh, not too well. Okay. Not too well, but I had a great, I mean, I still skate and I have a great time doing it. Fun doing it. And that's, that's basically it, you know. It, I mean, I went to two national championships. That's pretty good. Yeah, but um, won a lot of state championships, but primarily because they're not that many people in my age group skating. Mm, yeah. But anyway, the main thing is that I got a lot out of it emotionally, physically. You know, it, it's still very challenging for me. And I love that. It looks challenging. I've seen it. I don't know if that's short track that I see in Olympics, mm -hmm. but those thighs and the of those people going, yep. uh, pushing back and forth, just like looks brutal. Yeah, it is brutal. Yeah. Because you have to stay in a squat position for and, those, and for push the race. Out. Push out. It's, it's, it's horrible. It's horribly hard, but wonderfully good. Mm. Yeah, when you're done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe let's talk about your lessons here. Okay. So first one's you're the only one in charge of your actions and thoughts. And that sounds very Zoroastrian to me. Yeah, you, <laughs> you nailed it on the head. I was just going to say, I have to introduce my religion in order to, to talk about this. Personal responsibility is a big thing with hmm. me. And not only comes through Zoroastrianism, but it also comes from my life. Because at age eight, I was sent away to boarding school in India hmm. by my parents for whatever reasons. And you were on your own. You didn't have any mother and father to run to if you made a mistake or if somebody was bullying you or if you were homesick or you, I had to deal with all that at age eight. Mm. And my boarding school was pretty far away. It was three nights on the train away. Wow. Three nights and two days on a train, which took you all the way up to North India. And you had to stand on your own two feet, you know. As an eight-year-old. As an eight-year-old. And I only saw my parents for four weeks in the summer and two weeks in the winter, and that was it. Wow. So I was there from age eight to age 16. So basically my growing up life, I was away mm. from my parents, but it didn't take away from the love and the warmth that my family and that they offered me. There's no lack of love mm -hmm. in my family. It was just circumstances, but it was the best education my parents could ever give me. It was a very exclusive boarding school for, mm. men, for women in India. Mm. And that taught me a lot also personal responsibility. If you did something wrong, you paid well for it in boarding school. and at that early age, I learned not to rely on anybody else. Mm. If you failed, you failed, and you had to get up, pull up your bootstraps and just do it again till you got it right. Whether it was in academics or sports or relationships with your friends, 
all that took its toll on me. I mean, yeah. emotionally, it did take its toll on me. But in the long run, in retrospect, looking at my life and my travels, mm-hmm. uh, that's why I was able to go out into the world and travel on my own and come to this country and dance and start my own company. So that was... So a, you had a sense of independence and self-manifestation. like Exactly. Yeah. And then you also don't take your failures too seriously. You know, you, you say... As long as it didn't harm somebody, mm-hmm. you know, in Zoroastrian, you don't, you don't harm people. Mm-hmm. You don't harm the environment. You don't harm animals. You learn from that. And if you have the passion and the drive to do something, then the failure doesn't really matter. Mm. Or something that you did wrong doesn't matter. You say, okay, the next time I'm going to correct it. Mm. And I will not do that again because of that. The other thing about personal responsibility, and I think sometimes... I mean, I had to make a big adjustment to the culture here in America and the way people think. Right. Just from being in England and India, we have similar sense of humor in both countries. Very sarcastic, very, you know, dry sense of humor right. as well. And it doesn't fly very well in this country. <laughs> Girl, what's she saying? <laughs> what she's saying is that she insulting me, you know. But people get a little, their knickers in a twist. That's my, one of my favorite lines. Stop getting your knickers in a twist. Because they feel sometimes... When something goes wrong, it's their fault. Well, it might be your fault, but what's the big deal? Right. I mean, you're a human being after all, right? So you're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Nobody expects you to be perfect. Most people want to be successful. Most people want to be loved and appreciated by everybody. But at some point, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody says things not what they're supposed to say. Everybody can be mean at times. Everybody can be... Mm. But just go, yeah, I own that, and I was like that, or I did that, and do I want to stay that way? Probably not, and you fix it. But you don't take it as a personal blight against you, that right. you're a bad person, or that you're not appreciated, or mm. nobody wants to do anything for you, or anything like that. If you get into those kind of mindsets, then the world doesn't allow you to do the things that you want to do. Mm. Things don't come to you. Right. You know, I feel in my life I've been so blessed and so lucky. Every job I've ever wanted, I've gotten it. Wow. I've, I've only been turned away once in a job because I didn't know much about dental assistance. <laughs> but that was the wrong job I applied for, and thank right. God, right? But I think personal responsibility is huge. Take the responsibility and just know that you're not going to burn in hell because you did something bad. Right. As long as you learn from it and as long as you just say, yeah, I did a big deal. I'm so sorry. You know, I, that won't happen again. I figured it out. Right. And that's it. Drop it. Go on and yeah. go for your life. I hear a lot of people don't want to take responsibility for when they make a mistake and, or they say, it's not my fault. Someone else did it. Mm-hmm. But then from what you're saying, there's two problems. First of all, they're not taking responsibility. Second of all, they can't correct it next time. Yeah. Or they think they constantly think people are after them. Yeah, that's common too. You know, you called me out on that and that's not right, Yasmin. Well, I'm calling you out. Just it's not a big deal. I don't think you're a bad person. Just just change it. Recognize it and move on. Yeah, recognize it and move it on. You can call me out. Call me out anytime you want to. Mm. Now that I tell you, yeah, I did it and I'm wrong and I'm gonna change it or this is why I did it, and I do. Should we change it? Mm. It doesn't have to be offensive to you all the time, right? Because then you get into the mindset of, oh God, I'm so. Why does everybody hate me? So, personal responsibility, taking responsibility for your failures. But then your second lesson is, thank God for your failures. Yeah, absolutely. So it's even that's even one step beyond it. It's not yeah. just recognizing them, but you're showing gratitude for them. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. How are we going to learn? Mm. It takes ten thousand mistakes for a master to come out of that. Mm. To be a master. Sure. Yeah. 
the funny thing is, if you're not afraid to fail, you're a happier person. Believe that. For example, my sister, as much as I love her and everything, when we were growing up, she was the kind of kid who was so scared of failing. Mm. She was an A student. She yeah. was an A athlete. Just a beautiful personality. And I was the opposite. I still wanted to win. I still wanted to be successful as a kid whether I was running a race. Or, but if I came in second, it wasn't a big deal. Right. And for her coming in second or third was, oh, no, 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 I got to come in first. And I just feel sometimes if you always want to be first on everything or the best on everything, you're just going to be miserable. Right. <laughs> I'm okay with not being first or best. Well, yeah, it's hard. You can't be first or best in everything. Yeah. You know, it's impossible. There's always somebody who's going to be better than you. At something. And the good news is you're always better than somebody else as well. That's true. Too. Yeah, how many millions of people in the world yeah. do speed skating, right? That millions of women who are my age who are much better than me. Mm-hmm. Not millions, okay. A few, maybe a few. A, a, few, group, a few dozen. A few dozen who are better <laughs> than me. And there are thousands who, who are not. Right. So be happy where you are, knowing that if you're passionate about something, you've done your absolute best in it. That should bring you the happiness. Mm-hmm. Not being out in front all the time. Mm-hmm. It's not necessary. And that comes also from a deep sense. You have to have a sense of stability within yourself, mm. I think. So if you're unsure about yourself or unstable about yourself or who you are and your worth, mm-hmm. then... Coming in last is going to just make you barely miserable. But if you don't, if you or know, coming in second, yeah, coming in second also in anything, or somebody at work making a better report than you did, right. and your their report gets t- you know adopted and not yours. Mm-hmm. Well, be happy for that person. You did your best. You're not a bad the key person. There is as long as you did your best. Yeah, as long as you did your best, yeah. you be happy for that person. Took me a while to learn that one though. Yeah. Be happy for somebody else's success. Mm, that's a good one. Even though you're behind that. That's a good one. That's not on your list. That's not on my list. But I think <laughs> but it, comes, happy, yeah, it's good. it comes with the failure, right? Because yeah. it comes with being second or not quite in front. Mm-hmm. Just be for the, happy for the person who is in front of you. That's great. The last one, immediate gratification ain't going to do it. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. It's a really big favorite of mine. And I, there's something I really have to... I have a daughter and I really want her to learn that lesson. Mm. It's a super important lesson, especially in our world of commercialism and, you know, capitalism is great. And there are a lot of things that physically make us happy. Shopping, Mm -hmm. instant gratification of shopping and getting, acquiring stuff. With the credit card. With the credit card. Instant pay, put it in your cart, hit a button and it shows up the next day. Yeah. Instagram is instant gratification in a Mm. way, right? Facebook, all these places, you get an instant high. And that's really not what happiness in my books is about. For me, happiness is a state of being where you're happy deep down inside, even when shit hits the fan. Mm. And I think that really comes with age. that, That was not something I knew when I was in my 20s. And it came when I had my kid because I was running my modern dance company at the time. Mm-hmm. Everything was very stressful. Sure. Uh, touring, booking, selling tickets and mm-hmm. hoping people come see your show. It's, it's just, you know, would wear me down. And after rehearsal every night, which was also very hard because we would finish rehearsing at about 11 mm-hmm. at night. And I would come home, my daughter was fast asleep in bed and she was only like, you know, very young. And I would just sit next to her and all that stress would just go away because I thought, oh my God, there was a sort of a sense of happiness and a sense of wonder and a sense of peace 
and a sense of love that would come from just sitting and watching her sleep. And you go, wow, what are my priorities? Mm. You know, is this so important or is my daughter important in right. my life? What is the most important thing in my life? And that impo most important thing in your life, better giving you, is the thing that's going to give you deep-seated happiness, mm. not the work or the, you know, that all does bring you happiness, but it's more instant right. and fleeting and can come and go. But there should be, what we're all striving for, I think, is a, a place of calm and happiness, which will be there even on a rainy that's day. That's awesome. Yeah, because sometimes you don't have access to the credit card. Or there's no money in the bank. And if that's where you get your happiness from, that instant gratification, and it's not going to be there, and then you'll be devastated. Yeah. So find it. Find it within yourself. Find that depth and happiness within yourself, excluding all the other factors. Yep. Is there anything else you'd like to say? No, I think I've said enough. <laughs> well, thank you so much. We'll put any contact information you like on the show notes. Okay. All right. Thanks, Yaz. Thank you. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Lessons Live podcast. The Lessons Live podcast is part of the Lessons Live project, where our mission is to catalog the lessons of every human being's unique life and disseminate those lessons for humanity's betterment. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. If you have lessons you would share with the world, you can share them now at LessonsLib.com, a platform where you can share your life's lessons and learn from others. If you want to be a guest on this podcast, please send me an email at info at LessonsLib.com and let me know what you would teach the world. Until next time, I wish you well.